This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of bone grafting from the basic science section on orthobullets.com. As a quick introduction, bone graft is a material with either osteoconductive, osteoinductive, and or osteogenic properties. Examples include autografts, allografts, demineralized bone matrix or DBM, synthetics, bone morphogenic protein or BMP, and stem cells. With respect to epidemiology, as far as incidence, almost 1 million bone graft procedures are performed in the U.S. each year with a growth of almost 13% per year. As far as indications, bone grafts assist in the healing of fractures, delayed unions or non-unions, assist in arthrodesis and spinal fusions, and replace bone defects from trauma or tumor. As far as resorption rates, the relative resorption rates of bone graft substitutes from fastest to slowest include calcium sulfate, then tricalcium phosphate, and then hydroxyapatite. In terms of outcomes, as far as allograft retrieval, retrieval studies are helpful in understanding the body's response to allografts. Know that five years after implantation, allograft articular cartilage is completely acellular. That is, no donor or recipient chondrocytes will be present. Now let's talk about the properties of bone grafts. So know that bone graft has aspects of one or more of these three properties. That is osteoconductive, osteoinductive, or osteogenic. Osteoconductive material acts as a structural framework for bone growth. An example includes demineralized bone matrices, or DBMs. Know that the various three-dimensional makeups of the material dictate the conductive properties. Moving on to osteoconductive, these materials contain factors that stimulate bone growth and induction of stem cells down a bone-forming lineage. For example, bone morphogenic protein, or BMP, is most common from the transforming growth factor beta or TGF-beta superfamily. Finally, osteogenic material directly provides cells that will produce bone, including primitive mesenchymal stem cells, osteoblasts, and osteocytes. Know that mesenchymal stem cells can potentially differentiate down any cell line, and osteoprogenitor cells differentiate to osteoblasts and then osteocytes. Know that cancellous bone has a greater ability than cortical bone to form new bone due to its larger surface area. Autologous bone graft, that is fresh autograft and bone marrow aspirate, is the only bone graft material that contains live mesenchymal precursor cells. Now let's talk about antigenicity. So allograft is a composite material and therefore has many potential antigens, or cell surface glycoproteins. Class 1 and class 2 antigens on the graft are recognized by host T lymphocytes and elicit an immune response. Immunogenic cells are marrow-based, endothelium, and retinacular activating cells. Bone marrow cells elicit the greatest immune response. Extracellular matrix also acts as an antigen. Know that type 1 collagen stimulates both humoral and cell-mediated responses, and also know that the extracellular matrix is made up of non-collagenous matrix like proteoglycans and osteocalcin. Hydroxyapatite has not been shown to elicit an immune response. Primary rejection is cell-mediated related to the major histocompatibility complex, or MHC, incompatibility. Now, let's do a quick overview about the types of autograft, types of allograft, types of synthetics, as well as demineralized bone matrix and bone growth factors. So starting with types of autograft, examples include cancellous, cortical, and vascularized bone graft. So cancellous autograft has less structural support, however has greater osteoconduction and rapid incorporation by a creeping substitution. Cortical autograft has slower incorporation due to the need to remodel existing haversion canals. Know that interstitial lamellae are preserved, and cortical autographs provides more structural support. 
Remember that 25% of massive grafts sustain insufficiency fractures. Moving on to vascularized bone grafts, these are technically challenging with quicker union and cell preservation. Examples include a free fibula strut graft from the perineal artery, free iliac crest from the deep circumflex and iliac arteries, and distal radius is used for scaphoid fractures, specifically the 1-2 intercompartmental superretinacular artery branch of the radial artery. Now let's talk about types of allograft, that is fresh, fresh frozen, and freeze-dried, otherwise known as croutons. Fresh allograft has the highest risk of disease transmission and immunogenicity. Fresh allografts have BMP preserved and therefore is osteoinductive. Fresh frozen allografts has less immunogenicity than fresh allografts and BMP is also preserved and therefore is also osteoinductive. Freeze-dried allografts or croutons are the least immunogenic, provide the least structural integrity, and in freeze-dried allografts BMP is depleted, therefore it is purely osteoconductive, and freeze-dried allografts also have the lowest likelihood of viral transmission. Now let's talk about types of synthetics. The ones to know include silicate-based grafts, aluminum oxide, calcium phosphate, calcium sulfate, coralline hydroxyapatine, and calcium carbonate. So aluminum oxide has alumina ceramic bonds that bind to bone in response to stress and strain. Moving on to calcium phosphate, remember this type of synthetic has osteoconduction and osteointegration. Calcium phosphate biodegrades very slowly, it has the highest compressive strength, and many are prepared as ceramics that is heated to fuse into crystals. Examples include tricalcium phosphate, norion, which is made by Synthes, hydroxyapatite, which has the trade name Collagraft by Zimmer, and montage is another example of calcium phosphate synthetic. Moving on to calcium sulfate, this type of synthetic is osteoconductive only. It has quick resorption, and examples include osteoset by Wright Medical. Moving on to coralline hydroxyapatine, this has a calcium carbonate skeleton that is converted to calcium phosphate via a thermo exchange process, and an example is Interpore. Finally, calcium carbonate is chemically unaltered marine coral. It is osteoconductive, and examples include Biocora by Inoteb in France. Okay, finally, let's talk about demineralized bone matrix and bone growth factors. So starting with demineralized bone matrix, this is osteoinductive and osteoconductive. It contains collagen, bone morphogenic proteins, transforming growth factor beta, and residual calcium. Remember that it does not contain mesenchymal precursor cells. Finally, bone growth factors to know include BMP, TGF-beta, IGF-2, and PDGF. Be sure to review the bone signaling and rank L topic to learn more about bone growth factors. Now let's talk about autograft in a bit more detail. So autograft is bone graft transferred from one body site to another in the same patient. This is the gold standard with respect to bone grafting. Properties of autografts are that they are osteogenic, osteoinductive, and osteoconductive. This is the least immunogenic. You can have cortical cancellous or cortical cancellous autographs, and you can have vascular or non-vascular autographs. Examples of donor sites include bone marrow aspirate, which is a source of osteogenic mesenchymal precursor cells, and know that the iliac crest and vertebral body are the most common sites, and there is a variable number of cells depending on patient age. The iliac crest is the most common site for an autograph. It provides both cancellous and cortical graft. It has a higher complication rate, however, with anterior versus posterior harvesting. Note that there is an increased stem cell concentration with posterior harvesting. There is a 2% to 36% complication rate with iliac crest autograft harvest. 
Complications can include blood loss and hematoma, injury to the lateral femoral cutaneous or cluneal nerves, hernia formation, infection, fracture, cosmetic defect, and chronic pain. Know that the fibula and the ribs are the most common sources of vascularized autographs. Finally, another potential donor site is the tibial metaphysis. Now let's talk about allografts in a bit more detail. So an allograft is a bone graft obtained from a cadaver and inserted after processing. This is most commonly used as a bone substitute. In terms of properties, allografts are osteoconductive only due to lack of viable cells. The degree of osteoconduction available depends on the processing method, for example fresh, frozen, or freeze-dried, and the type of graft, whether cortical or cancellous. Cortical, cancellous, corticocancellous, and osteoarticular allografts are typically used in tumor surgery. Osteoarticular allografts are immunogenic and are preserved with glycerol or dimethyl sulfoxide, or DMSO. Osteoarticular grafts are cryogenically preserved, therefore have few viable chondrocytes that remain. Know that tissue-matched or syngenic grafts decrease immunogenicity. Processing methods for allografts include debridement of soft tissue, washing with ethanol to remove live cells, and gamma irradiation for sterilization. Know that there is dose-dependent higher doses of irradiation that kill bacteria and viruses but may impair biomechanical properties. Fresh allograft involves cleansing and processing that removes cells and decreases the immune response, improving incorporation. As far as indications for fresh allograft, this is rarely used due to disease transmission and immune response of the recipient. Finally, in terms of frozen or freeze-dried allografts, processing reduces immunogenicity while maintaining osteoconductive properties. It also reduces osteoinductive capabilities. As far as the shelf life, it is 2 years for fresh frozen allograft stored at minus 20 degrees Celsius, 5 years for fresh frozen stored at minus 70 degrees Celsius, and indefinite for freeze-dried. Moving on to demineralized bone matrix, or DBM, know that acidic extraction of bone matrix from allograft removes the minerals and leaves the collagenous and non-collagenous structure and proteins. Properties include osteoconductive without structural support, osteoinductive despite preservation of osteoinductive molecules, and know that interproduct and interlot variability is common. Moving on to synthetics, these are alternatives to autographs and allografts. There are various compositions available, which we talked about previously in the episode. They're made in powder, pellet, or putty form. And as far as properties of synthetics, they're osteoconductive only. In terms of outcomes, level 1 evidence shows that calcium phosphate bone substitutes allow for bone defect filling, early rehabilitation, and prevention of articular subsidence in distal radius and tibial plateau fractures. Moving on to bone morphogenic proteins, or BMP, this has osteoinductive properties solely. It stimulates undifferentiated perivascular mesenchymal cells to differentiate into osteoblasts through serine-threonine kinase receptors. Know that platelet-rich plasma, or PRP, like other BMPs, are solely osteoinductive. RHBMP2 and RHBMP7 are FDA-approved for application in long bones and the spine. As far as complications of bone morphogenic proteins, ones to know include under- or overproduction of bone, inflammatory responses, and early bone resorption. Now, let's talk about the Reamer Irrigator Aspirator, or RIA, which provides large volumes of bone graft from an intramedullary source. The femur is the most common, but the tibia can also be used. Possible iatrogenic complications include femoral shaft fracture due to eccentric reaming and insertion site pain, specifically in the hip abductors. Now, let's talk a little bit about graft healing. As far as stages of graft healing, there are five. 
The first stage is inflammation, which is characterized by necrotic debris that stimulates chemotaxis. Two is osteoblast differentiation, in which osteoblast differentiates from mesenchymal precursor cells. Three is osteoinduction, in which there is stimulation of osteoblast and osteoclast function. Four is osteoconduction, in which bone forms around the new scaffold. And five is remodeling, which is a continual process that goes on for years. All right, now let's end this review session talking about some risks and complications related to bone grafting. We'll go over disease transmission and serous wound drainage. So in terms of disease transmission, let's talk about hepatitis B, hepatitis C, and HIV. So starting with hepatitis B, the risk of hepatitis B disease transmission in musculoskeletal fresh frozen allograft transplantation is 1 in 63,000. As far as hepatitis C, the risk of hepatitis C disease transmission in musculoskeletal fresh frozen allograft transplantation is 1 in 100,000. Finally, in terms of HIV, the risk of transmission of HIV in fresh frozen allograft bone is 1 in a million to 1,670,000. Note that allografts are tested for HIV, hepatitis B, hepatitis C, HTLV1, and syphilis. In terms of serous wound drainage, know that calcium sulfate bone graft substitute is associated with increased serous wound drainage. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. First question. Which of the following materials has both osteoconductive and osteoinductive properties, but not osteogenic properties? And the choices are 1. Calcium phosphate. 2. Local cancellous autograft. 3. Demineralized bone matrix, or DBM. 4. RHBMP2 and five, local cortical autograft. The correct answer to this question is three, demineralized bone matrix or DBM. So DBM has osteoconductive and osteoinductive properties. That is, it consists of collagen, bone morphogenic proteins, transforming growth factor beta, and residual calcium, but does not have any osteogenic properties. The contents of DBM, like collagen, BMP, TGF-beta, and residual calcium give it both osteoconductive and osteoinductive properties. However, it does not contain mesenchymal precursor cells and is therefore not osteogenic. Processing of demineralized bone matrix consists of demineralizing the bone graft, which exposes BMPs and other biologically active proteins. However, this comes at the expense of decreasing some of the mechanical properties of the graft. Friedlander discusses bone grafts and the effect of the immune system on their incorporation. He states bone graft rejection can occur for many reasons, but with regard to the immune system, the greater the immunogenic incompatibility, the less new bone is formed and the higher chance of clinical failure. Lastly, he comments on how the interaction between bone remodeling and immune response systems is likely responsible for successful bone graft incorporation. Alman et al. compared the morbidity related to the harvest of anterior iliac crest bone graft with that related to the harvest of posterior iliac crest bone graft and to determine differences in functional outcome. The rates of both minor complications with a p-value of 0.006 and all complications with a p-value of 0.004 were significantly higher after the anterior harvest procedures than they were after the posterior procedures. The postoperative pain at the donor site was significantly more severe with a p-value of 0.0016 and of significantly greater duration with a p-value of 0.0017 after the anterior harvest. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, calcium phosphate is incorrect as this is an acellular synthetic bone graft substitute with osteoconductive properties. 
Answer two, local cancellus autograft is incorrect, as this has osteoconductive, osteoinductive, and osteogenic properties. Answer four, RHBMP2 is incorrect, as BMPs are proteins that have osteoinductive properties, however, they do not contain cells. And finally, answer five, local cortical autograft is incorrect, as local cortical autograft has osteoconductive, osteoinductive, and osteogenic properties. And moving on to the final question, which of the following graft materials has the least potential to elicit an immune response? And the choices are one, fresh irradiated cortical cancellous bulk allograft, two, fresh frozen fibular strut allograft, three, fresh frozen Achilles tendon allograft, four, fresh Achilles tendon allograft, and five, freeze-dried cancellous bone chips. The correct answer to this question is five, freeze-dried cancellous bone chips. So of the options listed, freeze-dried cancellous allograft has the least potential to elicit an immune response. Remember, all allograft tissue has more of an immune response generating capability than autograft tissue, which has the least of any of these materials. All allograft materials carry immunogenic properties, which decrease as the material is processed via the various sterilizing, freezing, or drying processes. As the processing increases, the mechanical characteristics of the graft tends to decrease. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer one, fresh irradiated corticocancellus bulk allograft is incorrect, as most bone and soft tissue allografts undergo irradiation to remove bacteria or other infectious agents, but this does not prevent an immune response in itself. Answer two, fresh frozen fibular strut allograft is incorrect, as fresh frozen allografts have more immunogenic potential than freeze-dried, but less than fresh materials. Fresh allograft is not typically utilized, as the processing of allograft, whether bone or soft tissue, provides the safety of minimizing infectious disease transmission. Answer three, fresh frozen Achilles tendon allograft is incorrect, as fresh frozen allografts have more immunogenic potential than freeze-dried, but less than fresh materials, Thus, fresh Achilles tendon allograft has the highest immunogenicity. Finally, answer four, fresh Achilles tendon allograft is incorrect, as fresh Achilles tendon allografts will elicit the greatest immunogenic response. That's all for this review about bone grafting. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on orthobullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the OrthoBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the OrthoBullets podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you aren't already, be sure to follow OrthoBullets on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow right here on the OrthoBullets podcast.